Old School Prophets, Part 1. Simeon, Man of the Spirit. Today we're reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 27, initially. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Then in parenthesis, Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Father, we pray today in the name of Jesus that you would flood us with your spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, that we might see and understand the things that are written in your word, and also that we might see exactly how to apply this to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So this happened in the days following Jesus' birth. It's about eight days afterwards. So it's after Christmas. They're going to the temple to dedicate their baby. And it's just like someone coming to church today to dedicate the baby. And they're going through the normal process. There's probably a pastor there or a leader of some form. They're taking the baby or whatever. Then suddenly there's people turning up that I call old school prophets. There's first of all Simeon and then a lady called Anna who we may look at next time. Simeon comes in and when he sees the baby, he gets really excited. He starts to praise God and he starts to prophesy and starts to confirm that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has a destiny. He is the one that they've been waiting for, that he is the Messiah. This must have been absolutely amazing for Mary and Joseph. When you think about it, the inconvenience of having to travel to Bethlehem when she was obviously pregnant. And then when they get there, there's no lodging for them. And so they have to be in a place where the only place to put the baby is in a manger. Meanwhile, they don't know about this, but meanwhile, out in the paddock, somewhere out in the fields, shepherds watching over their flocks are getting angelic visitation, the glory of God. They run in and see the baby. They're all excited about it. Soon everybody in the whole district is excited about this baby. And I imagine that Mary, just a teenage girl, and her young husband were probably totally bewildered by what was going on. I know I certainly would be. So they wander off down to Jerusalem. It's a bit of a journey and they're going to dedicate the baby. They're going through what their religious beliefs tell them. Their faith in God directs them to fulfill the word of God. 
they're going in to dedicate the baby and suddenly this man pops up out of nowhere. He takes hold of the baby and he's prophesying and praising God and declaring amazing things. They must have just looked at each other and what is happening? And then he turns and he gives her a word too. And I think this is a bit like when Agabus appeared on the scene in the book of Acts. Paul was traveling around and then one day he stopped at this house of Philip the evangelist. He had seven daughters, all of them could prophesy and they were prophesying. And then a prophet turned up, Agabus, last guy they expected to see probably. He walks in, takes Paul's belt, ties up his own hands with it and he says, this is exactly what's going to happen to the man who owns this belt if he goes to Jerusalem. Well, that's like setting the cat among the pigeons. They're all trying to talk Paul out of going. But Paul says, just let me go. Don't try to talk me out of the will of God. Agabus is confirming what will happen, but he's not directing my life. Kind of reminds me of a friend of ours was one of our pastors at one stage. The first thing that happened was one day a prophet appeared in his office and told him, you are destined for the mission field right when he was building a church, which he thought was going to be a significant church. And it is in Melbourne. And then after that, he went off to preach somewhere, wrestling with this concept, didn't know whether to go to the mission field or stay. He had a good ministry here in Australia and he's just waiting there to preach like you do as a guest preacher, just waiting and everyone's going through the preliminaries. They're praising God, receiving the offering, may have been having communion together and he's just waiting. And then suddenly from down the back of the room, someone roars out into a prophecy and says, there's a man here today. And the Lord is saying to you that if you stay in this country, it's going to be difficult. But if you go overseas, you will be blessed. And he couldn't believe it. When he least expected it, there was a prophetic word that absolutely nailed his decision that he should definitely go overseas and it clinched the deal. It sealed the conclusion and he went overseas and handed the church over to somebody else. It was an amazing thing for him. And I believe that just as Agabus could turn up, Simeon could turn up and this prophet, an unknown person, just yelled out a prophecy in the church. My pastor didn't even know who it was that said it. It just happened. Bang. And just that same way you can receive a prophecy. But I believe today as we read and understand what's happened with Simeon in this story, you would be in the position not only to receive a prophecy, but to give out a word to be used of God. And as we'll see, he was used of God for a lot more than just giving this word. So let's look into this today. Our theme today is what can we learn from Simeon, man of the spirit? So we can receive a prophetic word, so it can be used to give a prophetic word, but so also that we can be used to bring in revival and awakening in our nation. So what did we learn about him today? Number one, he was just and devout. This is what it says in Luke chapter 2. I'm starting at verse 25, and then we're just adding phrase by phrase. Here we go. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout. He was a good man. He was a God-fearing man. He wanted to please God. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to live his life for God. He was God-focused. And he was just, he was justified before God, which means he had faith 
and he was devout. He was sincere. He was full on for God. In other words, we'd say today he's 100% full on for Jesus. Number two, he was expectant of revival in his nation. Verse 25 goes on to say that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And in the Passion Translation, it reads like this. As Mary and Joseph came to the temple to fulfill this requirement, an elderly man was there waiting, a resident of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a very good man, a lover of God who kept himself pure, and the spirit of holiness rested upon him. Simeon believed in the imminent appearing of the one called the refreshing of Israel. He was expecting revival. He was expecting Jesus, the Messiah, to be manifested. And this had been the focus of his life. He lived out his life taking on board this promise from God that he found among the Old Testament prophets that Messiah was coming and God had laid it on his heart. He'd taken it to heart and he was giving birth to this word from God at the same time, well, actually for a long time before, and at the same time as Mary was giving birth, this man had been giving birth to this word most of his life, I'd say. All of his life had been dedicated to birthing this vision. You know, I remember when I was a young man and we'd started our first band and I was talking to my sister about the problem with people that have got too much alcohol. And I said, I read somewhere that there's this and this and this they can do. She just looked at me and she said, no, we need a revival. Even the context in which she said it became insignificant, but the word revival gripped my heart. And when I became full on for Jesus and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, That's what flooded my mind. I read every book on revival I could. I particularly loved the Welsh revival. And I read about the Hebridean revival and the great awakenings in America and the different things that had happened with Finney. I read about the things that happened with Wesley and Whitfield. It was so exciting. I was praying for and believing for revival every time I prayed. And I remember even once I went to home group and when we'd finished, God said, what? You're not going to pray for revival? And I realized that I'd slipped up just once. So I prayed again for revival. One night before a big concert in Caulfield in Melbourne, the truck was empty and I went out and I got in that truck and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for revival. No one saw me. It was dark. They were all in there getting ready for a big concert but I was praying for revival. And then when we drove our band truck to different concerts, sometimes we'd go way up the country. And I remember every town I drove through, I prayed for revival in that town, for revival here, revival there. And eventually I had a vision in which I visited the throne room of God. And God said to me, what do you really want? And I said, I want to carry the spirit of revival. And he said to me, he literally pointed his finger at me and said, You will have to take responsibility for that. So I know what it is to believe for revival, to have it on my heart. We went into the schools believing if they can't win them to Jesus, at least we're sowing seeds that can be reaped in future times. And we are seeing a lot of that reaping around Melbourne and Victoria even today. Praise the Lord for that. So this man had given himself over. It says, waiting for the consolation of Israel, but it means he received this vision into his heart and he was giving birth to it. Number three, 
He walked in right relationship with God's spirit of holiness. When we normally refer to him as the Holy Spirit, it doesn't impact me like it does when I just reverse the grammar a bit and I say the spirit of holiness, because sometimes the word Holy Spirit just runs off us like water off a duck's back. Whereas when I say spirit of holiness, it really brings it home to me that the spirit God put in our life and clothes us with is holy. And that's the primary thing he does in our life. I know we've all talked about the initial evidence being speaking with tongues. That's the initial evidence. But what's the main evidence? The ongoing evidence is holiness. He is a holy spirit. He's the spirit of holiness. And so Simeon, it says, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And you know, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be upon him if he was like a wild stallion that wasn't broken in for the Holy Spirit, like trying to ride a horse that's not broken in or trying to ride a cow that's not very friendly towards you. I had to ride a cow when I was a young boy because my dad wouldn't buy us a horse. So I rode a cow and I know we tried to get on a second cow's back. It was half hearted, but the rest of them, there's no way you could get on them. They weren't friendly to me riding on the back. Only one of them was. And I always appreciate that she let me on there. And the point is that the Holy Spirit wouldn't be riding like this on a person who wasn't living a holy life because the Bible warns us against grieving the Holy Spirit, saddening the Holy Spirit by our lifestyle and our actions. And he's not that happy to ride on someone where he's not welcome. Amen. But we should never get to the point of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's when you tell him, I don't want you in my life. I don't need you. And you renounce him completely. Never do that. Amen. If you do the other things, you can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, drive him right out of your life, there's no one left to lead you to repentance. How could you repent without his help? The Bible clearly says that God grants repentance and the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us come to repentance. So if you've made mistakes today, but you still love God, just ask for forgiveness, move on and start to rebuild that relationship with the Holy Spirit again. It's kind of like winning over a pet. It's like if you're a male, it's like winning over a girl. If you do something that really upsets her, it's going to take time to win her back. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Get back to praising him, to loving him, fellowshipping with him, talking about what he likes to talk about, doing the things he likes to do, being where he wants to be, focusing on that love relationship and building it until that relationship with the Holy Spirit is strong, until he rides you like an experienced jockey and just a tug on the reins this way, a tug on the reins that way, and he can direct you where he needs you to go. You certainly don't want to be in a position of needing him to put in the spurs. Amen. You just need to know him, to know his gentle nudge and to walk with him. That's where Simeon was at or the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26 says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So he's walking with the Holy Spirit and he's getting revelation. These are the things that are important. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Verse 27. So he came by the Spirit 
into the temple. So this man's relationship with the Holy Spirit was such that he's receiving revelation. He's being led and prompted by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit got him to the right place at the right time to be used by God. Amen. To see the fulfillment of everything he'd been believing for. This is amazing. So he walked in the Holy Spirit, just doing it again. He was led by the Holy Spirit in prayer and in the fight of faith. And he had the Holy Spirit's revelation on him and he walked in holiness. Amen. He was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then he prophesied in the Holy Spirit in such a profound and significant way that the words that were spoken through his mouth were put into God's holy word forever. Very significant. Amen. Number four, he was unrelenting and unyielding in the fight of faith. Just read it again. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This man must have undergone years of pressure and opposition from the enemy Because what he was believing for was the arrival of the Messiah. And the enemy certainly did not want that to happen. And so he was there believing God. He probably didn't know Anna was also praying alongside him somewhere there. But he was believing God. He had his faith in this. He's looking for the consolation of Israel. Who knows, throughout his life, he might have started with a lot of enthusiasm, seen a new leader rising up and looked at him and thought, is this the Messiah? Kind of like how people look around the world at prominent people wondering, is this the Antichrist? He might have seen someone with great intelligence and thought, this must be the Messiah. Then someone with great military might, this must be the Messiah. Someone who's got charisma and is good looking, this must be the Messiah. But eventually God said, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And he just kept believing, kept believing, kept believing. But what God showed him was a baby. A baby who had done nothing yet, said nothing. A baby in his mother's arms. And when he saw that baby, just like the shepherds last week, he got a revelation that this is the Lord's Messiah. And the Bible says it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then when he did, he knew his journey was over. Amen. So he was excited to see God's answer, even though it was just in an infancy state. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. There it is. He got to see what he'd been believing for. And it's like the man who said, go and see. Can you see a cloud? On the seventh time, Elijah's servant said, I see a cloud as big as a man's hand. Elijah said, that's all I need to see. And he got up and he told Ahab the king, head back to the city. And he ran before Ahab's chariot because the hand of the Lord came upon him. And this is exactly like Simeon. He'd seen a baby and that's enough. He knows that this is underway. It was time for him to pass the baton of faith to another generation. Amen. What a powerful story. But first, by the Spirit, he spoke prophetically of baby Jesus. Now remember, 
At that time, that little baby was the body of Christ. Think about how that applies to us. It's like you or it's like me giving a prophetic word in church or on the internet, giving a prophetic word out to the body of Christ. And this is what he said, that he would be a light bringing revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. It's a two-part word here, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. So we proclaim prophetically that Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus said that himself, didn't he? He spoke to them in John 8, 12. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In John 9, 5, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Simeon prophesied that one of Jesus' objectives is to bring revelation. And we see that in this story where Paul recounts in the book of Acts 26, he talked about seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus. And one of the things Jesus said was this, Rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you've seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Jesus is an ongoing revelation bringer. He's the light of the world. He brings illumination and revelation. He reveals things with his light. And the Holy Spirit is the agent who works in us, just like with Simeon, that brings this revelation alive in us. That's why I prayed earlier for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, because this is one of the main themes of the New Testament. Amen. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, hasn't entered into the heart of man or the natural heart, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Amen. And Jesus is the glory of God's people. He's the glory of Israel. And in John 1.14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what can we learn from Simeon, the man of the Spirit? Number five today is, the majority of his ministry was in the unseen realm. In 2 Corinthians 4.18 it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, you know, with the natural eyes, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And then again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, through Paul, the Holy Spirit says, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's why I say Simeon, the man of the Spirit, lived by faith. He lived in that unseen realm where he had to believe it before he saw it. He believed for this vision all of his life. Because as we read in the Passion Translation, it's believed that he was an elderly man by this time. And all of his life he had a vision, he's believing, he's birthing this in the spirit, but he hasn't seen it. He has to keep believing it 
in the unseen realm, he can see it. He can see the Messiah. He can see the miracles. He can see the outpouring of the Spirit. He can see the awakening. He can see the revival in his nation. He can see the shaking free of the shackles of the enemy. He can see people getting healed, getting free, leaping and running and praising God and being excited about God, but his natural eyes see nothing. And I want to encourage you today, if you're believing for a change in your family, for your loved ones to be saved, maybe you're believing for revival in your church, awakening in your community, but you haven't seen it with the natural eyes, keep seeing it in the supernatural because that is where we are called to live. Amen. We're called to walk by faith not by sight. If you're praying for someone to be healed, walk by faith, not by sight. If you call the name of Jesus, let's agree and believe together that the authority of Jesus is greater than sickness, greater than demons, greater than oppression, greater than sadness, greater than depression, greater than every enemy attack. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, whether you see anything or don't see anything, look in the spirit realm and see that the train of his robe fills the temple, that he has all authority in heaven and on earth and is more than enough to meet your needs. And he already knows what you have need of before you ask him. He is the genius. He is the miracle worker. He's all powerful. And so if we believe together that this is a revival, then it is a revival. And we believe it's a revival, even though we haven't seen a revival with our natural eyes. Amen. We've got to keep believing. Keep believing. Keep the fight of faith going. This nation shall be saved. Amen. This nation will come under a mighty move of God that everybody living in your nation, in my nation, in your city, my community, your community, everybody will see a miracle that they can only attribute to the work of God. There's no other explanation for it. And that's what we need to believe. That's what we need to keep seeing in the spirit, seeing it in the spirit, seeing it in the spirit, even if we've got to be like Simeon, only see it as an infant stage before we finish our leg of the race. But if we see it in the spirit, it will come to pass as surely as Jesus came to birth after a long time of waiting, then as surely as he was manifest in Israel 2,000 years ago, he will be fully manifest in our time because this is not the devil's hour. This is God's hour to have his revival. And the Bible says, he that now lets will let until he's taken out of the way. If the church is here in the planet, our job is to hold back the work of the enemy. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And we must remember too, number eight, that Simeon passed the baton to the next generation. And this maybe is a time in our lives, in your life, where you're going to move on into a new role. See, the Bible says of Jesus, he led them. He led his 12 apprentices after his resurrection. He led them as far as Bethany. And that's where that phase of his ministry stopped. Then he was taken to the new job that God had for him at the right hand of the majesty on high, where he ever lives to make intercession. He's the high priest of our confession and our eternal high priest, etc. And the disciples then took on a new role. And so we also have to pass the baton. Jesus passed the baton of this on earth role to us. And then he passed the baton of the on earth role to his 12 apprentices 
They pass it on to the next generation and it's been passed on to us. And at times we have to pass the baton of a stage of a life onto someone else and look for what God is saying to us in the new year. What's the next phase? What's the next leg of the relay that you want me to run? And I release others to do what I've been doing so that I can do what God wants me to do. And this is how it applies to each and every one of us. Amen. So how do we apply this? Let's stay in the lane of our own assignment. Mary did. Joseph did. Simeon did. Anna did. Jesus did. Everyone just stayed in their lane. They're not wandering out of it. Simeon had to birth this thing in the spirit. He didn't wander off and try to be a synagogue ruler or wander off and try to be a shepherd. He didn't try to be one of the wise men visiting the east. He stayed with where God had him and he did what God called him to do. And that's what he'll be rewarded for. And that's what you'll be rewarded for. You'll be rewarded for doing what God wants you to do, where he wants you to do it, in the way he wants you to do it, in his spirit and in his character and in his name by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what brings a reward. Amen. Well done. You got it done. You did it well. You were good. You had Jesus' character of holiness. Good, faithful. It's full of faith, but also continuing in it till the end and being a servant. Very, very simple concept to be a servant. A servant hears what to do and they do it. And also today, I encourage you to keep your faith going too. Amen. God knows it's a fight of faith. I know it's a fight of faith. I know that it will never stop until we finish running all of our relays on earth till we've handed over all the batons. We will be in the fight of faith. It's not going away. And if anything, the Bible says that towards the end, the devil comes down to earth with great wrath. It says, salvation, woohoo, hallelujah in the heavens. Woe to you who are on the earth because the devil's coming in great wrath. And we overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimonies, and we love not our lives unto the death. We have to stay with this. We have to be determined that we are not going to back off this fight. We're going to stay in love and not let the love wax cold like it will with many. The Bible says the love of many will grow cold. We can't afford to have that happen. Stay with Jesus. Stay on your knees. Stay in the fight of faith. Follow the Holy Spirit. Live in relationship with the one who is holy and exhibit that holiness. Walk in the Spirit. Live by what you see in the Spirit. Stay in your lane. Fulfill your assignment and then get a word. Give a word and you'll receive a word too. Amen. And I want to encourage you too, that when you're in very strategic times, which it could be right now in a change of season, when you need it, God will raise up a Simeon for you. An old school prophet will just flow into your life when you least expect it, maybe, and give you a word. If you run around seeking a prophet and telling everybody, oh, I need a prophecy, possibly it won't come. Because it's when you seek God when you really believe that God is speaking to you, that he will confirm it in the mouth of two or three witnesses. It could be someone rings up on the phone. Someone I hadn't spoken to for decades wrote me a message on Messenger and gave me a word from God. I wasn't expecting that. Last thing I was expecting, but then it came. And so I knew this has got to be from God because God stirred that person up to send me that word. Amen. So today, can I ask you this very simple question? Have you given your life to Jesus already? 
Because if you haven't, you can do it right now. Yielding to Jesus is the first step of fulfilling this lifestyle. It's the first step of being forgiven or having all of your sins washed away. It's the first step of getting a name in the Lamb's Book of Life and following Jesus. Jesus said this first step is such a complete and radical change. He called it being born again. It's a new start. It's the only way to go out of the system that you're born into as a natural person into God's system. It's the only way into God's family. It's the only way to get your name in his book is to be born into the family of God. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You don't know what's going on there. You can't be part of it. And unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. He said, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And being born again today is quite simple because it's a start. And I can show you how to do it. This will start you. And part of this is to confess that Jesus is Lord, which you say today for the first time. And then you keep saying it. You say, Jesus is Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Thank you, Lord. You praise the Lord. And every time you declare over your life that Jesus is Lord, he will be guiding you, whether you see him, whether you know what he's doing or not, he will be guiding you. So let's pray this prayer together right now. You repeat this prayer after me. Now remember to say it to God, mean it with all of your heart, and the God who answers by fire will transform you from the inside and you will be born again right now. Say this, Jesus, just repeat that, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I turn from my old life. I renounce everything I've done wrong. And I thank you that your blood has washed me free of all of that sin. Today, Lord Jesus, right now, I identify with you dying on the cross. My old life is dead. And I identify right now with you rising from the dead. That I have a new life in you as you rose, I rise in you. Today I'm born again. Keep repeating these prayers. Today Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Saviour. I receive the new birth. Thank you that my name is now in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm a Christian and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit and live a holy life pleasing to God. I ask for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. If you just gave your life to Jesus, remember to keep saying Jesus is my Lord. Tell somebody you're born again. And remember, the enemy probably will fight you over this, but you just need to keep saying it. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. Jesus is my Lord. And you've got to look for some other Christians 
that you can get into fellowship with or you can have close friendship with people that you know that are Christians or people that God will guide you to that are Christians to be part of each other's lives to be able to encourage one another and build one another up and keep watching the online service or these videos. God bless you. Thanks for watching today. I'll see you in the next video.